Welcome to the Editor's Note Comics Podcast. I think that this world, it needs men that are willing to make the hard call. Central Maine's best comics podcast, by default. Ain't no thing like me, except me. Here are your hosts, Zach and Jared. Matt's coming. No. When do we start? Hey, welcome back. I don't have time for this. What is this? Sports reports is going <clears> to <throat> suck today. Oh, yeah, tough. Oh, well. How are you? I'm fine. Excellent. <laughs> my, We're fine here. Situation normal. <laughs> my sports reports are fine. Yes, I would. Well, depends on how things go in the final play-in game. You'd have to care first. Oh, well, You. that's right. We talked about this on Sunday. You're like, eh, we'll talk more about it in sports reports, but you have not really strong feelings either way. No. Hey, guess what happened this week, though, that is back. We'll be back for the next three weeks. The full moon? No. Oh. A three-week full moon? That'd be kind of cool if you're a werewolf. Not cool if you're not. Doctor Who is back for the next three weeks. David I s- Tennant. I saw your tweet, and you loved it. I did. I liked it quite a bit. Uh, there was. I'm not going to spoil anything. There was one bit towards the end where I'm like, well, we're bending over a little bit backwards to make this work, but sure. But that works. Yeah, it, it was great having David Tennant back. Great having Catherine Tate in there. But, oh, man, there's controversy. When is there not? I, this is going to be <laughs> the most controversial show we've ever talked about. Is it? Oh, you ready to solve peace in the Middle East? Because I am. Oh, well, I mean, we've been trying for years. <laughs> well, because we are talking Palestine today. That's right, kids. Wait, is it Doctor Who? No. Oh. Just later on. But no, we have this controversy. I think was, this was the Daily Mail that put this out. Oh. Uh, Doctor Woke. Oh, boy. Very upset because Uh-oh. the doctor was talking to an alien about their preferred pronouns, and it's just a joke because... The alien goes, I prefer the definite article. And the doctor just goes, yeah. oh, yeah, I like that one, too. Yeah, just the. <laughs> because I'm the doctor. And there was this whole th- couple of big angry thing pieces, not just one or two. Let me, uh. While you're doing that, can you. I just pose a question? Isn't it, how alpha is the word the, that it calls itself the definite article, and you need to use it to describe itself? So this is um the creature in question that, you know, some people are very upset about that the doctor asked the pronouns for. Hot button issue. It's like a weird looking meep cat kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just a fuzzy little alien. How, how do we, like, also, like, this is something I was thinking about the other day. What about, like, if you think about the high likelihood there has to be intelligent life on other planets, has or was, is or will be, you ever think about sports on, like, or, like, forms of entertainment? Like, do they have a version of basketball on another planet? What's music like on another planet? Probably better than the music these days that the kids are listening to. I tell you that. Oh, there you go. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Like, do they have their own versions of like Nickelback and Creed on other worlds? Creedleback. Creedleback. Oh no, <laughs> maybe that's the name of that alien. It's a Creedleback. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's really fun. There's still two left. It, it's more. I'm sure they're going to connect in one way or another. But it ended up being more episodic than I thought it was going to be for oh. these three specials. I kind of assumed that, and they, they will dovetail together and one form or another but it was a it was just like a really long episode (laughs) it's like okay cool i'm in yes to be fair not even that much longer than a regular one um also last week i uh, completely forgot as this was pointed out to me that uh, we didn't talk about the madam web trailer oh okay oops i didn't know that was a thing i also don't care i saw the trailer you know what i'm glad that somebody's you know at least reached out to us and is listening or was listening maybe like oh they didn't talk about madam web well screw them i'm not coming back um, yeah, we're not going to see the movie because it's a Sony spinoff movie. Same way I hadn't seen Morbius, and I have no intention of seeing Venom 3. 
Can we all listen now is the number of subscribers unclicking, unsubscribing? Oh, they're not going to watch Madam Web. I'm leaving. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure uh, all half a person cares. Not even a whole person. I'm sure they're a whole person. That's about it. So I guess let's just jump straight into the news. Mm. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? It's time for the news. Stephen King's The Long Walk has found like its fifth director. It's been a long walk to find it. Yeah, uh, they got the Hunger Games director. Oh, okay. Who, who also, he, he's done like four Hunger Games movies. He did uh, um, I Am Legend and Constantine. But The Long Walk, if you don't know, is a story about 100 boys who start walking through Maine. And if you, like, you get this big prize at the end, basically whatever you want. Like, oh, okay, cool. Carte blanche on a wish. Uh, it's, you know, dystopian. So it's like, hey, if you are if you are the one that makes it. Oh, so this is perfect for somebody who directed The Hunger Games. Yeah, except they take out, it's 100 boys, and if you drop walking below, I think it's four miles an hour three times, they shoot you. And gosh, I just don't see a movie where they shoot 99 boys making it to being a movie. Yeah, it's hard. (laughs) Um, Even like, you're like, well, the hunk, like, it was such a lazy thing to, like, I imagine an executive just going like, who should we get to direct this movie? I know, the Hunger Games guy, he's already done child violence. Like, this is the laziest choice you could have made. Well, that's very squid gamey, too. Again, but they just, there's no, there's nothing else to it, though. It's just, if you slow down, you get shot. Oh. I didn't realize killed. we were wearing coordinating sweatshirts tonight, by the way. Yeah. yeah. Um, Total accident. So I don't, gosh, I just don't see this being a movie that ever happens. No. Speaking of Hunger Games, it dominated the box office this weekend with some other good movies. It was number one, I, I, I don't believe. Care. I Well, you had, that movie <laughs> came out, the Trolls movie. I have active disdain against the Hunger Games. Oh. You don't like young adult fiction anyway. You can't say I didn't give it a try. That's true. You did. Uh, you know what the problem with The Hunger Games is? Uh, there were three too many books and four too many movies. Yeah. I think one book would have been fine. Yeah. Okay. Oh, she won. Oh, boy. What's she going back for the second time? Ooh, the same thing? Yeah. Woo! Oh, and now we're going to get into like um, like another kind of Hunger Games, but it's not really Hunger Games, but it's like really like the Hunger Hunger Games because they're doing the Hungry Hunger Hippos. I... I didn't finish uh, that series of movies or books. Oh. And it will enchant. Uh, spoiler alert. She lives. What? Yeah. But people around her die. Uh, here's a weird one. Oh, can't be weirder than, you know, the long walk. Alien Rom- By the way, four miles an hour is not a slow walk. Yeah, and this is basically from Old Town to Freeport. Well, I mean. Nonstop. Depends on if there's you know, Memorial Day traffic or something. No, they clear it out for this national event. Why well, I mean. Stephen King wrote it? Fair enough. Alien Romulus, the uh, upcoming Alien movie, has a weird spot in the timeline. Whether it counts or not, eh, leave it up to you when it happens, but it's going to take place in between Alien and Aliens. Oh. So I guess one Ripley's in her little hibernation sleep. So Alien way back. <clears throat> Romulus, did the Tal Shiar get involved? No, I doubt uh, it. Okay, just what would you do if all of a sudden like some Tal Shiar show up? You're like, hello, we're here doing Tal Shiar things. Aliens crossed over with a lot of stuff before. True, true. Who would win in a fight, a Borg or a Xenomorph? Probably the thing with the acid blood. Fair enough. What are they going to do? Try to assimilate it and then just melt? What if they assimilated and you had a Xenomorph Borg? You can't assimilate a Xenomorph. You don't know that. Sure I do. I've seen an alien movie. But yeah, <laughs> in, in, in between one and two, I'm like, okay. Yeah. Does this get like a 50 cent piece? Because if Alien 2, Aliens with a dollar sign through it, is this like a like a half dollar? So like what? Like Lion King one and a half? Yes, I remember that. Yeah, let's. that's what we're doing. We're doing Lion King one and a half, but it's Alien. Yeah, sure, why not? It's kind of a little dead space in the franchise that if you want to try and fill it in, great. But yeah, I don't know. With an Alien movie coming out and an Alien show, it's going to come down to like how 
what's the quality here? Not much. Oh, we don't know. Who knows? Talked about this before. Kang Dynasty has found a new writer. Oh. After uh, the last guy left or was fired, after mm-hmm. the director was left or was fired, <laughs> after all the Jonathan Major stuff and who the hell knows what's happening. Uh, it's going to be done by Loki creator Michael Waldron. Nice. Who's, I haven't, he's not a name I'm super familiar with. He's done some Marvel stuff in the past, like he worked on like Doctor Strange or whatever, but my favorite thing was I'm like, oh, who is this guy? Like, what else has he done? You know, a handful of things, mostly pretty big items, but if you look at literally every photo of him on the internet, that man does not want to smile for camera. He no. flat out hates it. You're just saying that you don't know, but literally every photo of him is just like that toothless smile and he's always doing something kind of weird with his eyebrows to try and like cover up for the lack of teeth he's showing I'm like yeah i understand this man oh fair <laughs> enough i also hate smiling for camera you hate smiling period it's not whether it's for camera or not i tell you i blame those like uh, those glamour shots i had to like go to like this the mall sears to get i blame those i think those just put me off to f- well they put you in like a weird awkward position like put your hand he- like in a pose that you never take for real like i feel like when you like sit there and like have your ha- your hands folded but your chin on it or like you know my high school senior picture is like me like resting my hand on my fist maybe this guy also had to go through glamour shots as a kid and got turned up and, and i'm like was that? i'm like nobody ever posed even when i have my picture taken at work every year for my id they're like tilt your head a little bit i'm like well, am i a dog that can't hear or i'm like trying to like understand what you're saying human like nobody sits there and like smiles and like, turns their head to the side hey you ready to self peace in the middle east uh always not really but let's um get into what's up with scream seven this week wait what scream seven yeah like the, you know i know it not that's i know what you did last summer like sydney scream like yeah like Ghostface. yeah let's not overcomplicate the middle east it's hot and there's not a lot of water that's why it's nobody over there is happy well actually it's too broad of a generalization and it was a really bad job of quoting the west wing great tv show by the way the star of the last two movies uh melissa barrera has been fired after Oh, I saw some of this, yes. Yes, after leaving some pro-Palestine comments on her Instagram story. uh, The company who puts out... (laughs) We're going to swing back around to that. Uh, The company, uh, Spyglass, who produces these movies, uh, put out a statement saying, Spyglass's stance is unequivocally clear. We have a zero tolerance for anti-Semitism or incitement of hate in any form, including false references to genocide, ethnic cleansing, Holocaust distortion, and anything that flagrantly crosses the line into hate speech. Mm -hmm. I gotta tell you, I read her comments... I think this is a pretty wild interpretation of what she said. Do you feel like, because I remember seeing this, mostly because Gina Carano was trending, so I clicked on it, and they made they drew a parallel between the two. I, I'm not going to do her statement word for word, but the basic one it basically just said, hey, why isn't Western media covering more of what's happening in Palestine? I'm trying to find like reliable sources to figure mm. out what's happening, so we're just not getting one-sided reporting. And then the way uh, Spyglass took it... Or, spun it or whatever however you want to put it they said like oh that's um playing into that stereotype that jews control the media i'm like i think we've taken quite a big swing here yeah <laughs> and then she made another statement she's like look i i just don't want like kids and civilians dying that's about all i'm shooting for here yeah i'm like yeah wow what a, what a wild stance to take it's not a wild stance to take at all I know, but... so so she got shit canned from scream seven I'm like what yeah. it's just it's a it's a very complicated topic for holocaust distortion like what it's a very, very complicated topic that I don't like to say things like stay in your lane, but I don't feel like I could give like accurate or um, maybe not accurate. I couldn't give super informed thoughts 
or well-processed and informed thoughts about the situation other than it's horrible to have loss of life all around. And I, actually, I look at it more like the civilian aspect of it. Yeah, her thing was, why aren't we covering more of this aspect of things? And then they go, anti-Semitic. Look, Spyglass just made a big fucking swing. Yeah, I guess so. With a statement I didn't really agree with based on what she said. I'm like, okay. Uh, and then it also came out like the next day that uh, Jenna Ortega will not will also not be returning for Scream 7. But apparently that was done months ago because it didn't fit with her filming schedule with wednesday season two mm-hmm. and i feel like her team just put it's like they they were holding back on because you know you want to build hype for the sequel and i'm sure their team was like we don't want to deal with this shit about like what's jenna ortega gonna do it's like she's not involved she's just not involved with the movie it's been that way for months don't worry about yeah. it okay there it is so this movie has now lost two of its stars scream six uh didn't have neve campbell return because they didn't pay her enough money and now they're like hmm can we get neve campbell back and also patrick dempsey can we get them back in this franchise Ah, Patrick Dempsey, world's sexiest man, according to people. Yeah. Or time or life, whichever one does that. People, right? It's people, yeah. People. But yeah, that that was just kind of a crazy response, I thought, from Spyglass. So, fucking weird times, man. Yeah, it is. The Boys is getting another spinoff. Hooray! I didn't really like the last one. To be fair, I didn't really like the first spinoff either. I'm not really big I The main show I like a lot, but I have not been that into uh, the spinoffs. And now they're doing a third one called The Boys Mexico. There's really no information about it except Diego Luna is going to be one of the producers and he might act in it too, but unclear. Yeah. I don't know. I am concerned about uh, fatigue for this franchise, though, because it's very successful and it keeps building and growing. And as we have seen with so many franchises that build and grow, sometimes too much of a good thing is too much. Yes, 100%. So I don't know. I'm not not feeling great about another Boys spinoff when I... The last one, like, people seem to really love it. I didn't get into it. I never really got into the boys either. The parent show is good. I like that. But yeah, I, I didn't like this last one, Gen V. I just, all the character decisions just like baffled me. It was like a show that tried to trick you. Mm. It was like, hey, this is a character driven show, but it was really a plot driven show. And they were just like masking it behind something else. I'm like, I don't, I don't like this. Yeah. The character choices don't make any sense. It's just literally, we have decided this is where we're going. How do we get from point A to point B? Okay. Nonsensically, I guess. Yeah. It's just, it's it's going from A to B, and we don't care how we get there, we just do. Yeah, I don't know. I don't... It doesn't have to make sense either. I feel like that is a minority opinion on that show, but oh well. Yeah. So yeah, I'm not really that excited about The Boys Mexico, but I'll check it out. Hopefully it's good. <laughs> One more little Doctor Who thing. Yes, please do. Uh, Ten years ago, the, for the 50th anniversary, there was a special called An Adventure in Space and Time, and it was a semi-mostly biographical retelling of the first Doctor, William Hartnell, and getting the role and then becoming ill and having to give it up and being replaced. Oh, so the the beginning of the time phasing or whatever where the new Time Lord Regeneration. comes Regeneration. That's close enough. With Patrick Trout. No, it's not. Time phasing sounds cool, though. No, it doesn't. Fine, whatever. But the end of the special, back in 2013, it's when uh, Matt Smith was the Doctor, the 11th Doctor. Mm-hmm. And we see, like, it's um, uh, David Bradley's playing him. He's the janitor from Harry Potter. Yeah. He looks real like him. He's come back and actually played the first Doctor, not just like playing William Hartnell playing the first Doctor, but like come back to play the first Doctor after that. He's really good in the role. But it ends with like this really surprise cameo. It's like him. It's like, oh, man, it's my last day on set. And he looks up and there's Matt Smith just looking at him like in that first TARDIS, the first one ever. And he's just kind of like looks up, like acknowledges and he's playing with some of the dials, like some of the real old analog stuff. Mm-hmm. And there's like this, this acknowledgement of like, okay, the future is safe. This is going to continue. And you get all these reaction shots of like David Bradley looking at him and whatnot. So for the 60th anniversary, they re-aired it, except Mm -hmm. they switched out uh, Matt Smith with the upcoming Doctor, Shudigatwa. Yeah. As, you know, just probably on a green screen, just in there, he does the same thing, flips switches, gives him a wink and a nod, but you still get those same reaction shots from David Bradley, like, ah, the future is safe. I don't have any issue with that, 
But what I find very, very funny is mm-hmm. that uh, William Hartnell, the first doctor, was vocally racist. Like, really racist. Which, I mean, you know, he was like a... 80-year-old man in the 60s, they were all racist. That's fair. Everybody's a little bit racist sometimes. I don't think uh, like old man in the 60s racist. I saw, I was scrolling through, I can't remember if it was an Instagram reel today or it was Twitter during some downtime at lunch. There was an old-timey, also, by the way, I saw your tweet, and so I think this is where the two things melded in my head. Old-timey Looney Tunes, which, by the way, is leaving HBO Max at the end of December. It's not anymore. Oh, it's not? No, uh, they, they said that was emailed in error oops i think not because of public backlash i think your tweet was the one that sent him over the edge like oh no we lost the editor's note comics people we can't do that but it was um bugs bugs bunny and blackface oh no telling elmer fudd not to whip him master Mm, that's not good no it was not good but the the point of this is there's really i'm fine with the change obviously some people were mad on the internet as they always are but i just thought it was very funny to have like um someone supposed to be playing william hart like getting like glassy-eyed and nodding, like the future is safe with me. When it, in reality, he'd be like, what the hell is happening? Yeah. Neither here nor there, though. Um, the, the fictional version is much nicer. And last bit of news, an exciting bit of news. Yes, please. Well, you saw it. We got our first images for the Fallout TV series. It's only a few months away. It is only a few months away. Coming out in April, yeah. You said you hadn't played these games. I have not played those games. That is correct. I've played a number of them. I played like the, God, I say newer, but really came out like 2007, 2008. Yeah. I played uh, Fallout 3 and like all the DLC for that. And I played New Vegas. I don't think I played Fallout 4. I don't remember. Because I also don't remember what system that was on. And if I had one that could support it. But yeah, the Fallout games are great. Dystopian future, nuclear wasteland. Yeah. What's wrong with those things? Everything looks so nasty in this. I, I love the power suits. They look just right. The Brotherhood of Steel, which I was like, is that like a Conan reference? The Mystery of Steel? No, it's just a bunch of dickheads running around. Okay, cool. Can I? Oh, so we could be in the Brotherhood of Steel. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> Walton Goggins, good old Wally Goggs, playing the ghoul, and he looks nasty as hell. Yeah, he looks... He got, got no nose? Yeah, I... Ugh. No, thank you. I like him. I was like, discount Red Skull. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he looks close, close to what the game was. So yeah, fuck, it looks good. It, for, you know, there's been limited information coming out about this show. And for some, and like, there's been like a couple of like, oh, look, like, here's the door of a vault. I'm like, ooh, very exciting. So question for you then. Do you think that this will take on the similar format as Last of Us, where it kind of tries to follow the video game almost beat for beat? No. This or is, is it going to be more of a opening of the world? No, this is going to be an original story that's supposed to be set in the same canon. Oh, Okay. So like it won't have any of the main like the super main characters in it, or might it like might it have some of the main characters? No, in I it? mean for again, you, I'm so you get the ghoul in there, but I mean for the most part, you the character you play is like you're just you know you come out of the vault and you got to go explore the wasteland and build up your armor and stuff, and oh. you, you get to make moral choices like, am I gonna bang this mutant broad or am I gonna what detonate this nuke in this town? Oh, okay. Well, those are certainly some moral <laughs> choices to be made. <laughs> yeah. This mutant broad. <laughs> I know. I apologize. Mutant lady. Oh, there we go. Thank you. <laughs> With a, her melty face. No, I think the images that uh, I saw in the Vanity Fair article that I read thoroughly uh, right before we went on the show. Uh, I mean, it looks fun. I like, I love, I don't know, maybe it's just me. I kind of have always had an affinity for like dystopian post-apocalyptic things. I just think it's interesting case study of people and how we think people are going to act when if it does happen that we live in a post-apocalyptic dystopian future and there's also this weird like 50s like throwback element like all the music is like from the 50 like 30s to the 50s and like old imagery of like us 
essentially like what you think of like Astro Boy of like what does the future look like in God oh, the future today here tomorrow something like that. Crap. Oh, okay, so cool. Yeah, yeah like it has that. a cool aesthetic, and I like Tomorrowland. It. Yeah, the images look really cool. I like it. Speaking of Tomorrowland, I saw a story. Uh, here's a headline from Disneyland, the happiest place on earth. Well, the second happiest place on earth because it's in California. It's not Disney World. Headline: Naked man arrested at Disneyland, wandering around. It's a small world. Yeah. Did you see that? Yeah, I, I did see Police that. Police <laughs> arrested a naked man at Disneyland who hopped out of It's a Small World and wandered around between the audio animatronic dolls while a holiday version of the familiar soundtrack played in the background. I guess it was a small world for him because it was cold in there. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Was one step away from making a small penis joke. Yeah. But, oh, did you see the tweet that this person put out? I doubt it. This person says, I'm on a small world and there's a streaker. I can't believe this is happening. There's a picture of the guy. Oh, <laughs> I didn't realize there was footage of the man. Yeah, there's a thumbs down emoji over his uh, his groinal region. Oh, he's harassing people on the ride. <laughs> he's wearing boxers in this at least, but oh, good for him. He clearly, he clearly is on some sort of uh, enhancement. Well, cool. So uh, that's it. That's the news. Glad we ended with that. Yeah, there you go. All right, so we're going to move on from there to Weird Comics Facts. Here are some weird comic facts. Prepare accordingly. I'm going to make some weird shit. It's pretty freaky, but it's safe. Look, we're talking Ninja Turtles again today. We've done this a time or two. Mm. And I've, I've shared some weird facts. Mm. Going, I don't know. Still the weirdest one is that porno comic that existed from officially, well, not like, from Mirage Studios. There's only like 30 them, 32 or something in existence. Ninja Turtles porn. Don't yeah. like it. Um, I, I've read it. You wouldn't like it. No, you <laughs> talked about forcing me to read it once. Yeah. I'm glad you didn't. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. There's all kinds of weird stuff. Like, mm-hmm. you know, getting high uh, while watching someone's rabbit. Yeah. <laughs> all kinds of stuff. We've thrown out some weird ones. I'm going to throw a couple at you today. Okay. Both They're both going to relate to Ninja Turtles co-creator Kevin Eastman. Okay. One kind of sweet one and one kind of what? Okay. Fair enough. Uh, when I was running the store, about every third person who come in would be like, you know, I know Kevin Eastman. Like, we went to school together. Like, we're secretly blood relatives. Oh, okay. Like, just literally, it was constant. People telling me, like, vague Kevin Eastman stories, some of which I'm like, I don't even know if I believe you. Mm. Also, also, a lot of them might have been true because they were incredibly mundane and boring. Yeah. But thank God everyone told me them. But uh, this uh, one person who came in, and I can't confirm this is a definite thing and i've always meant to ask kevin seeing him in a con if this was true or not maybe i will maybe i'll come back and confirm later okay i like but, it um he's like oh kevin was dating my sister and i can't remember if he was living with her or not or like she was just moving into a new apartment she was moving into a new place and when she wasn't there uh he went to a blank wall and just drew an entire mural for her when she was out mm-hmm. which I, I don't know i just thought that was cool oh that's really cool th- th- there's an apartment in maine somewhere I'm sure it's been painted over and doesn't exist anymore, but somewhere in Maine, there was an apartment where Kevin Eastman drew an entire mural for a girlfriend that would probably be worth so much money and is now painted over. That is, uh, that's an incredible story. Wow. <laughs> and here's uh, the, the crazy one. Maybe I brought this up. I can't remember. Mm. I didn't, if I had known this when I interviewed um, him a number of years ago for the show, I would have brought this up. This would have been the entire conversation. Yeah. He owned a tank. What? Owned a tank. Oh, wow. That's incredible. I can think of two kind of famous people who had tanks. Schwarzenegger and Eastman. And I don't see the tank thing come up very much. And I want to know, what's up with that tank? How much disposable money did you have? You were like, I got tank money. He clearly has tank money. <laughs> where, where did you leave the tank? I don't know where he left what, the tank. What did you do with the tank? Blow things up. I, probably, but I hope so. <laughs> run over shit. I mean, if I had a tank, those would be the first two things I would do. I would run something over that has no business being run over by a tank. Not a human or anything alive, but... 
you know, something like, what will this tank crush and how effectively? And then I would finish it off by like having a big bonfire and some sort of incendiary shell that I could fire into said fire to cause it to blow up and burn. Yeah, that's my uh, that's my weird comics fact. I don't. I doubt he still has it. I brought a tank over here once. It was a little cardboard tank that was a firework, and I shot it off at your neighbor's house. Great. Love that. Um, but yeah, Kevin Eastman owned a tank once. I had tank money once. No, you didn't. It was a little cardboard tank. <laughs> yeah, no. Okay. All right. That's going to do it for Weird Comics Facts. All right, yeah. I, I wish I'd known about that tank when I interviewed him. That would have been the entire conversation. I'm like, yeah, so you have a new indie book coming out. What's up with the tank? Yeah. Can we also... I was back with Box City Wallops, right? No, that was Jim Lust. Uh, oh. What was that? Uh, Drawing Blood. The book was called Drawing okay, Blood. Okay, sorry. Box City Wallops was a Turtles guy, but it was... Yeah. Yeah. Which I enjoyed Box City Wallops. Me too. There's a deep pull right there. All right, so we're going to move on. From Kevin Wait, Eastman. Nope. Yes, yes. So from Kevin Eastman knowing a tank to are your Patriots tanking or do they just suck? It's time for Jared Sports Reports. He's running down the middle by the 50. He's at the 30. Bear tested. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. Oh, and they tackle him at the 40-yard line. It's time for another Jared Sports Report. You know, there's two parts to the toilet. There's the tank that holds the clean water, and then there's the dirty bowl. And then there's the upper decking. Yeah, I think the Patriots are upper decking. <laughs> upper decking to tanking low. Oh, just when I thought, if there, so what's below rock bottom? I don't know. I know I won money on that game. Uh, I won money on a different game that day. <laughs> I, I bet against your Patriots and I won. Yeah, but you waited till like halfway through the game. You're like, because no one was scoring. You're like, oh, first team to score wins. And you were right. Well, no, I said I'll bet on the first team to score. And then I got impatient and bet anyway. And oh. then I was right. Ah. <sighs> I hope you made well. I mean, you did it the right time before the line flipped. So yeah, you you had well there. Yeah, things not going well for the Patriots. Mac Jones benched again for the fourth time this season. Yes, what, out what of great yeah. consistency your team has with quarterbacks. Yeah, exactly. Uh, in fact, I saw a tweet today that was unbelievably upsetting and depressing. The, you're more likely to see the Patriots sit Mac Jones than you are to see them convert a third down this year statistically. Wow. They've convert like he's been sat in like thirty six or something percent of the games or thirty eight percent of the games, yeah. Because four out of eleven, whatever that that math is, and the Patriots are like thirty seven percent or something like that on third down. So you're more likely statistically to see the Patriots sit Mac Jones to see them convert a third down. The one that Eagles just continue to roll through things. Unbelievable. That's a gutsy win in some adverse conditions against the Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills are now five hundred. Here's the thing. About the Patriots, by the way. Still no uh, update on who the new st- <laughs> to starter is going to be. <laughs> Sneakily trying to move on. But this is the frustrating thing about the Patriots this year, okay? First of all, you've got the Buffalo Bills, who are 6-6 six and six at 500. you got the Jets, who are equally, if not as more god-awful than the Patriots. Well, they had that great 17 seconds or something. <laughs> they, exactly. But if you take a look at the Patriots, if they had any semblance of competent offense, whether they had weapons around Mac, whether Mac was playing better, anything, if the offense could just score, the Patriots have six losses this season out of their 10, how many? No, out of their nine. They're two and nine. Out of their nine losses, six of those losses have been by one score or less. All right. Of their six losses by less than, of seven points or less, um, four of those were by four points. And two were by a field goal. So, I mean, you could make arguments that the Patriots are in games, which they are at the end. The defense has been phenomenal. By the way, they're the only team in the NFL this year to give up less than 10 points in a game and still lose. And that's happened twice. And they're both the Patriots. And it happened in back-to-back games. 
Things are not good in Foxborough, my friend. No, they're bad. But they're uh, they're decent on Causeway Street, except for the Bruins have lost three in a row, and the Celtics are on the verge of not being in the in-season tournament, which means we can... No. <laughs> tonight's the, tonight is the last night of the playing games and might be the last night we see that floor. I don't care. Okay. It's the in-season tournament. I'm not like... It doesn't really affect anything at the end of the day, right. except give players half a million dollars. Like, oh boy, super invested. Half a million dollars each? Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, I would play one extra game for that. The coaching staff oh, gets something to I forget what the coaching staff amount is. Mm. But yeah, they, whatever. We'll know by the time. Um, $500,000 is quite the motivator. Not for all of them. It's not even a drop in the bucket for some of them. Well, if someone like Draymond Green it helps pay for his fines for a month. <laughs> uh, speaking of the West, the West is funny. Golden State is kind of imploding, but Draymond is back. The two funnier ones are the Clippers just continue to keep losing. They had one of their worst losses last night against um, the Denver Nuggets JV squad. Their three best players were out. Uh The bench just kicked their ass. They lost by over 20. And then LeBron James also had the worst loss of his career. The first time he went, the first time he went to Cleveland, or the second time he went to Cleveland? No, just like literally. Oh yeah, point differential. He had the worst loss of his career last night. Not good on the Lakers. Yeah, he wasn't very happy about it. I can't imagine so. But when you've played as long as he has, like those things are bound to happen at some point. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. The West is weird, man. Well, like I said, basketball. It's round. Anything can happen. It's a game of runs. It's a game of runs. And the season... <laughs> it's my favorite cliche. And I think it's hilarious when I actually what? hear like someone doing color commentary actually say that. I'm like, oh my god, that's the worst cliche. But it's true. It is a game of runs. Who can piece together the longer run and for, you know... That's why Joe Missoula's inability or refusal to call timeouts during those runs is in, like... It's critical because if he calls the timeout and at least stops the run, he gives his team a chance to get a kill and generate a run of their own. Yeah, he's also addressed this. He's like, yeah, it's the beginning of the season. I'm not doing that. We're just kind of playing like we're kind of playing fast to loose and see how things work in different lineups and trying to figure it out. And as the you know season what? goes on, yeah, then, then we're going to. You know what that sounds like to me? He's secretly telling you that. Man with a plan. Yeah, he's got a plan. He understands that the season does not start until after Christmas. <sighs> Joe Missoula gets it. He knows. Okay, we're moving on. Uh, that is it for sports. So we're going right. to go from there. Hey, one of these just came out, it feels like. It is time to talk. Ninja Turtles, The Last Ronin, The Lost Years, and that other one shot that's in here. It's called The Lost Day Special. There we go. All right, theme. It's Jared's Reading Corner. How do we even get into the creatives on this? There's a lot. Yeah. Well, it's like three separate sets of two with creative teams on, different creative teams on each of them. But you got Eastman working on all of them. Yeah, uh, Kevin Eastman and Tom Waltz, who wrote uh, about the first hundred issues of the IDW series, and he's done additional stuff as well. He's a uh, generally well-regarded writer, but I mean, there's art. There's a bunch of artists working on this thing, and uh, for the most part, it flows pretty nicely. Sometimes there's kind of a jarring change in the art style, but it's generally similar. Like, um, there's this one guy who's doing some of the work in here, Ben Bishop, who's actually a main guy, but I, I don't really like his turtles art. Like he somehow makes them too small and also too overly complicated. Like if you ever see an image, it's like, oh, look, they just have like bandages down, like completely wrapped up and down every mm. single arm and leg and all this extra accoutrement. I'm like, there's just too much going on here. Okay. Fair. I would take 80% less bandage. Yeah. Like a little bit. Like you want to say, okay, like they wrapped their wrist or something. Sure. But do they need to wrap their entire arm? Like top to bottom, and their other arm, and their leg, and their other leg. Oh, it's you know, can't be too, can't be uh, too bandaged. Can't be too bandaged. Can't be too um, 
uh, safe. 80% less bandages. That's yes, what, 80% less. That's what I'm campaigning for. So, hey, what's the what's the gist here? As this is a prequel and sequel to the last Ronin, who, to be fair, I kind of forgot how that one ended until they were like, hey, remember that um, our, our hero died? I'm like, no, I didn't, but yeah, sure. How did you not remember that? I don't know. Oh. I do a lot of things. Okay, that's fair. Uh, so, I mean, how spoilery do, how spoilery do we want to get where this is still... Uh, relatively new it came out this year 2023 yeah uh five issues plus uh, that one shot this just came out in hardcover a week or two ago so not super spoilery we don't need to ruin everything like how many children die in this or not yeah so some is the answer yes if we go back and we look at the last ronin it was the story of the last ninja turtle who was alive michelangelo i don't know why to call him michael like he just loses michelangelo the last turtle alive and he's looking to avenge the death of his brothers but he's gone for a period of time and it's kind of just like what did you do during those years this is the answer to what happened when he had left new york after all of the ninja turtles and splinter died in that great last war against a rukusaki uh, shredder for those of you who don't know so interlaced with this is also because remember at the end of the last Ronin we have Casey Marie Jones, little Casey Jones, yeah, the daughter of April and Casey Jones, who's also dead, R.I.P. Begins to it goes through the training of the new wave of Ninja Turtles who have cool names like Uno. Yeah, I, I didn't memorize their names, and also <laughs> like three of them have kind of personalities and one of them doesn't. It's a good point. There's the one that does machines. There's the one that's fat. Yes, that's their entire personality. Mm-hmm. The albino one. <laughs> yeah, there's uh, the one that likes to make fun of one of them for being fat and the other one. And the other one. But pretty much what we get is this to me had feel like flavors of a little bit of like, I don't know if Old Man Logan is the right parallel to draw, but like Michelangelo goes through some shit. Like in the beginning, it's him going off to like, yeah, I'm just going to go off and die. But... Little do we know, he finds Splinter's uh, journal and uses it to help with training. And he's able to eventually deliver the same journal back to New York. But, I mean, Michelangelo goes through it in this. I mean, he is involved in some really crazy stuff. Yeah, Michelangelo goes out and he finds a new sensei to do more training, which doesn't really amount to much. Except then he takes, as because he's training with this guy, he then takes another oath to go fight death. Deathworm. Yeah. A lot of O's in this. And also, kind of point, like, yeah, Michelangelo does training. He's also trained all his life, and it's not like we're learning something new where he learns, like, some something that really contributes to the future. It's just like, yeah, yeah. More, more training. If, I mean, I guess I could just say it now. It's, with so many things when it comes to um, all media, there's, when something is successful and good, mm-hmm. the immediate reaction is, how do we duplicate this? How do we do it again? And sometimes with movies and TV shows, you might see a lot of copycats but those usually will take a year or two or three years or more and you'll see things kind of come in waves but comics doesn't have the same time constraint so you could say oh this worked how can we duplicate this again basically immediately within a couple of months yeah like maybe a six month period of, like to turn something around fast do we have some fresh paper and some ink <clears throat> cool we don't have to hire actors we can just write the script and make it happen yeah so this this definitely falls under that category of um i, I overall like this but i kind of at the end of the day i'm like was it necessary and also it's probably a little long like so michelangelo goes off and does training does it amount to anything not really it's like a series of different boss fights that he has to go through like he's with the mongolians and he makes friends and they die he's uh then put in a weird gladiatorial fight camp he makes a friend and the friend dies 
Like everyone dies, and he kills a lot of people. I did like when he shoved the sigh up through the guy's face. That was oh, kind of yeah, cool. That's probably the coolest panel. There is this one part of the story. If you know you've seen the last Ronan or the art, like Michelangelo has these whited out eyes, and he gets to one point, he's driving and crashes. Um, he's like, "Oh my god, I'm blind!" And then shortly thereafter, he just gets tasered. He's like, "No, I'm not." Yeah, I'm like, oh. it's back. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> Why do you have the weird white eyes? But he learns how to ride a horse <laughs> without being able to see. That's kind of cool. But it doesn't add up to anything. It's, it's just like I'm blind. Well, it just shows like the Mongols can do anything. They are the exception to the rule. When well, have the Mongols ever lost? Well, I mean, they, I won't spoil it, but when have the Mongols ever lost anything? It's, uh, a structure I didn't particularly like about this because it got real old real fast is, I, I don't remember if it was every issue, but I started to pick up on it pretty quickly. It would open with, oh, here's a big exciting thing. And then it would flash back to tell you how you got there. So it almost opened with, the ending was almost always there in like the very beginning. And it just, it became I got a little tired of it. Very much non-linear storytelling. It was just like, look at this crazy thing that's going to happen to Michelangelo. How do we get here? Then they tell you, then the next issue starts with, look at this crazy thing that's going to happen to Michelangelo. How do we get here? So after like, (laughs) we'll get to issue five. I'm like, okay. I've always thought it was interesting with the last Ronin series, both the original and this, that they went, like the person they chose, the turtle they chose to be this like killing machine vengeful badass at the end of the day was michelangelo which again probably the one you least expect like you think like but he's also like the most guilt ridden over it yeah i mean he does enough murder he's like i'm sad about all this murder he doesn't like that he has to be murder but then at the end he's like i'm gonna murder everyone and then it leaves off where the last ronin picks up yeah what did you think of the eastman panels in the original style yeah getting some uh, old duo shade paper in there which I know Eastman has a stock of. I don't, I'm curious how much he has because that hasn't been made forever. But he still has some left over and gets used occasionally for turtle stuff and a few other odds and ends. But I will also say with the duo shade stuff, whenever I looked at it, I'm like, I had heard in the back of the head, duo shade, different chemicals created different lines on the paper. Yep, that is how duo shade works. I was like, oh, yeah. To be honest, I'm, it's a little jarring uh, when it pops up because it is so stylistically different. But I I like that those pa- like those panels and those pages were pretty much throwbacks and the main image in it was Splinter's journal. Yeah. Which makes sense to like go back to the beginning and have Eastman draw the journal pages, which Splinter goes it goes back to the very beginning. I like that. I think I use, kind of enjoyed that. I think they use a turtle soup joke three different times. Oh in more this. than more than yes. <laughs> yeah. We're just gonna keep going back to that well, huh? Yeah. Well, I mean it's a classic turtle soup. You get one. You don't get like three or four. Well, if you want a book, that's technically... No, it's too many. Well, that's because you have it in a trade. If you were to like get it every two months and then read it, oh, look, turtle soup. <laughs> also, like, is turtle soup really a thing? Do people oh, actually yeah. eat turtle soup? Mm-hmm. Oh, must be a delicacy. Uh, the only time I think... Delacacy. I saw it down in New Orleans. Oh, makes sense. Well, they have you know other weird stuff down there, <laughs> like crawfish and gumbo. Things you can get here. You can get crawfish up here? Yeah, I think so. Oh, cool. I mean, I don't necessarily know if I like crawfish or not. I mean, they're like, they're the bugs of the water. What do you think lobsters are? Just horrible bottom feeders. But they're the bigger bugs of the water. Just disgusting, disgusting creatures. Don't look at the lobsters too closely. No, but I'll eat the claw every day of the week. Claw me. That's it? Just... And the legs. I don't like the tail because that's too close to where the poop comes out. You take the poop out. I know. You scrape the poop out and all that. scrape. You just pull. Oh. There's one part. You just pull. Oh. Well, I, I just usually just stick to the claw and the legs. This is an insane take. That's not my most insane take of ever. You fucking live here, man. What are you doing? I haven't had lobster in forever, by the way. Jesus I love Christ. lobster. I love lobster mac and cheese. Get some lobster claw and then throw it in with mac and cheese. Mm. Chef kiss. It's like the easiest thing in the world to make. You just throw it in a pot. 
chef kiss. Did I stutter? Throw a little lemon in there. Some macaroni in a pot? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Cut off the rubber band so it doesn't have that rubbery taste, you know. Oh, I thought you were supposed to leave it on there. I thought it was a flavor enhancer. Just like a urinal mint. You're supposed to eat the urinal mint after you go to freshen you, up, right? You just fucking live here. You can't eat a goddamn lobster. I, I don't have lobster very often, but when I do, I skip over the best parts, <laughs> you're, apparently. You're more of a bottom feeder than the lobster. That's not true. Just eat whatever comes your way. Just trash on the floor. Yeah, pretty much. There is another one shot in here uh, called The Lost Day, which is very much kind of a slice of life thing. This one takes place exclusively in the future, which is also placed very weirdly in this collection. Yeah, like right in the middle. Yeah, it's in between issues four and five. I'm like, this, you just should have stuck this at the end. Yeah, because when it happened, <laughs> I'm like, this doesn't really make any sense. I'm like, where, where's the Michelangelo stuff? Yeah, it's uh, basically April and the younger Casey uh, taking the young turtles, the new ones, uno and the rest out into public yeah up to the surface and it's i kind of like that and they're definitely uh setting up for those characters to continue in one form or another and you know like i said this series has been successful to be honest i didn't look at the sales of how uh the sequel did comparatively but i, I imagine we'll be seeing more of them in the future something mm-hmm. i do like that they do with the younger turtles is they make them visually distinctive oh yes they do which god that's helpful there are some of uh, the Mirage books all in black and white and everyone looks identical. And some of the time you're, you're just reading, you're like, I have no fucking idea who's talking. No. Unless you get, like, you need some visual indicator who is who. And I really like that they... It's like, who's who? I also don't know why they did that originally. I hate I hate that. I hate that they all just look the same. <laughs> Especially in black and white. Yeah, you really don't know who's it's who. Possibly, yeah. Well, it's, I mean, if they're like, they have their weapons or like if they address someone or if maybe they're not wearing a bandana for whatever reason, it's like, okay. But sometimes if it's just like two of them talking with no weapons, it's just like, huh? What? Who? Yes, exactly. A couple of times. Um, So I I do really like that they did that, make uh, these new characters visually distinctive. I mean, I don't know. Overall, I like it, but do I like it as much as the first last Ronin? Probably not. Okay. Let's compare this to another like a post-apocalyptic future series. Uh, Let's. We will do this eventually. I've just been holding off on it. Okay. Hunger Games. No. Fuck no. Okay. Uh, Dark Knight Returns. Oh, okay. First one is a classic. Everyone loves it up and down. You're not really going to find a lot of detractors on that. Uh, Last Ronin was essentially the Dark Knight Returns of Ninja Turtles, and that was kind of the goal when they plotted it out, and, you know, nothing wrong with that. But then we have Dark Knight 2. How can he return again? Um, Boy, that is a mind-bending, confusing mess of a series. When I look at Dark Knight, there's been Dark Knight Three, which was um, overall fine, but it's like okay, like the second, like the second one is so fucking off the wall. And to be fair, you can't say that Frank Miller wasn't trying something new because boy was he. But the second one diminishes the first one. So when I think about Dark Knight Returns, I it's one of those things like you know, canon's what you make in your own head. I'm like, there is one Dark Knight book. Yeah, it's <laughs> true, and that one is great. So let's com- and we compare uh, like this, like Last Ronin to like Dark Knight Two. This one doesn't take anything away from the first one compared to like what dark knight 2 did where i feel like it took away from that first series it doesn't really add a ton for me but it's at least it's not a negative it's more of me going like is this necessary i would say if you enjoy like ninja turtle punch-ups then you're gonna get a lot of that in this but you're gonna get one ninja turtle not ninja turtles and like you said it doesn't do anything to change the original and it doesn't do anything to take away from the original if anything, I think it's trying to supplement it and like give you an idea like, like okay, well, what put Michelangelo in such a dark place? And then you read this and you're like, oh, I can understand why he's upset. All the murder. Yeah. Plus all, the, 
all the blue ghosty people that follow him around. Like yeah, he's yeah. got an entourage of death. <laughs> I do love. I that. believe he used that line. Did he? Uh, my entourage of death. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Like all of his failures, he's hallucinating, and that's easier, you know, because it, it's just him. So you get to have the other turtles in there, but they're just hallucinations. And, and they shit on him hard. <laughs> they do. He's. But my favorite is like you know you get like this literally a parade of like dead people, and we're aware who all of them are. But for some reason, like most of them look fine, except for Splinter, who is just riddled with arrows. <laughs> the rest of them, they're real. We see no evidence of physical injury, but Splinter, no, yeah, just, he's, he's full of them. Yeah, he looks like that old-timey painting of the guy that like has all the arrows in him. Like the, I can't remember it, but it's like a guy who got martyred and he had arrows in him. I or, can't remember. Or like when Frank Miller did Wolverine. There we go. Oh, okay, there you go. That's <laughs> That makes more sense. I appreciate that. Uh, Thank there was, you. Eastman's done this a few times. There's also a Frank Miller stand-in. I forget who the... There's another comic artist uh, where they just, like, flipped their names. It's like, oh, yeah, I see you. And it, he looked like Frank Miller, too. Like, a, you could see it in the rather distinctive nose that Frank Miller has. Mm. One of the cops. I'm not going to try and find it because he wasn't around for very long in the story. Yes. Um, I still like it. It's just... It's not, like, a high, high recommendation. It's a, hey, if you liked the first one, yeah, this is pretty good, too. Yeah. See, it's uh, this painting right here. St. Sebastian. He's got some arrows in him. Great. Yeah. Sorry. It doesn't reach the highs of the first one. It's a little unnecessary, but and maybe a little bit long. Like I said, like there's so much stuff that just like doesn't add up to much. But it's still, you know, yeah. I feel like I'm being more. It's, I'm sounding more negative than I kind of feel about it. It's still pretty good, but I can't. It's not like a like hard recommend. Like you gotta read this. It's like hey, if you like Ninja Turtles, you like Last Ronin, probably like this one too. Yeah, but it's not gonna fucking rock your world. It doesn't. Like you said, it doesn't really change anything other than it sets up the new group of Ninja Turtles, perhaps, if they wanted to continue on with them and have an understanding of the interspersing of Splinter's journal, how Splinter's... To me, maybe the story ultimately is not just how Mikey got so jaded and vengeful and murderous and all the different traumas that he endures, but I think it's the possession of the journal and getting the journal back to new york and end up in the hands of casey marie and april granny april which is still drawing to hear granny april but getting it back into their hands in order to continue the legacy of splinter and the turtles and using that as their textbook so to see so so to speak on training i think that is maybe to me kind of what this ultimately does accomplish and i think it, you know it sets the stage for if you want to continue on with these new four, certainly can. Well, I guarantee they will, because if IDW knows how to do anything, it's how to uh, run the Ninja Turtles into the ground by doing too much. Oh, there you go. Boy, are they they have mastered that. But not, not that everything they've done is bad, but a lot of it's good. But. I mean, the centerpiece of this really is the journal. Yeah. So, and it kind of is how, the, how he comes across the journal and then how he brings the journal back and the use of the journal going forward. Yeah, that's about it. I meant to text you this week's question, but then I forgot. All right. Well, that's fine. It's not like any other week. <laughs> I meant to. All right. Uh, that's it for the last Ronin. Do what you want with it. We're going to move on from there to letters to the editors. Now for my favorite part of the show. What did I say? Talk to the audience. Oh, God. This is always dead. Here's another one of your letters to the editors. If you want to ask us your own questions, and I implore you, ask away. Editorsnotecomics uh -huh. at gmail.com. We'll answer whatever. We're here for you. Here for your cues. We'll give you some A's. All right. Ready for this week's question? I am ready. Editorsnotecomics at gmail.com. Hit me up with the Google Mail. What do you think is the most underrated comic book movie? As always, would you like me to give my answer? Yes. <laughs> this is why I meant to text you. God damn it, I forgot. Yeah. I am going to go with Mystery Men. Oh, such a good movie. <laughs> right? But I what, love that movie. What was the last time you ever heard anyone talk about Mystery Men? It's been a hot minute, but the moment you said it, immediately... 
and that is the a, blue the blue raja it is a legit comic book movie i haven't seen it in a very long time ben stiller's in that he is uh it was based off of uh, the flaming carrot comics that then spun out into other stuff but yeah mystery men like a random 90s off the wall kind of screwball comic book movie in a time like there's also a bunch of movies like people don't think about as comic book movies i think mystery men falls under that heading like road to perdition is definitely another one no one ever thinks about like this is a comic book movie yeah well it is stuff like that uh, yeah I, I don't know i feel like mystery men has kind of disappeared off of the cultural zeitgeist because you know we've been inundated with a lot bigger stuff and you know stuff with more staying power but yeah i'm gonna say mystery men go back and check it out i haven't seen it in a long time so maybe i mean mm. maybe i just have like positive memories of it maybe it sucks <laughs> maybe if i watched it's gonna be like but, oh this is bad 90s trash but i also like bad 90s trash it's true by the way good use of the word zeitgeist yeah that that, that, that word does not get tossed around enough culturally or otherwise yes true yeah that, that is uh my response to this mystery men i've seen it in a while maybe i'll check that out hmm. uh, this might be a controversial answer but i hadn't had time really to process it or think about it and i'm not going to sit here for like half an hour and look up things uh i kind of feel for like an underrated comic book movie i feel like it's kind of a mix of slightly underrated but slightly a missed opportunity superman returns it's boring i tried it again a few years ago i but that's where i think it's i maybe lean more toward the missed opportunity but i think there are some pieces in there that are are salvageable and clean like you could clean it up a little bit i thought brandon routh did a fine job yeah um his his problem was kind of a weird script yeah and that that's a complicated movie now between brian singer and kevin spacey yeah it is so i really can't say i had to you know recommend revisiting it let's put it the last time i revisited it uh the kevin spacey stuff was more quiet whispered rumors yeah versus out loud rumors so maybe that's not the best underrated comic book movie i i appreciate what it was going for it was very Mm. much going for the christopher reeve vibes like literally being a sequel even though it doesn't make any goddamn sense again Um, yes don't think about it too hard and also probably don't watch it but i i can appreciate what they were trying to do with that but the end of the day that movie's boring that movie is so slow nothing happens you know what else okay so he uses his heat vision once to melt some glass and doesn't throw a single punch. Here's another one. He then. picks up a big rock. That's true. He does. And then he also has his son. And again, the whole Kevin Smith, you know, run of like, when did, you know, if Lois finally figures out that the kid is, you know, Superman's kid, she's going to be like, well, when did we have sex? Because you mind erased me with a kiss. Yeah. Uh, so then the other one, and maybe this is also equally controversial. I think it'd be, I actually kind of want to go back and rewatch it a little bit. If you want to talk about like late 90s, early 2000s trash, as you say. Green Hornet. That was in 2011. Oh, 2011. So, okay. Early 2000s still. The movie also. Only saw it once. Boy, I have no positive memories of that movie. <laughs> no, I, I like I liked, uh, um, the Green Hornet's manservant. I thought he was fun. Kato? Yeah, Kato. That guy. I couldn't remember. I almost said Kang, but I'm like, it's not Kang. I know it has some, you know. But I'd rather watch Bruce Lee be Kato. That would be awesome if Bruce Lee could be Kato. He was. I mean, again. <laughs> In the sixties, here yes. I'm backpedaling now. Uh, yeah, he's he's still uh, he's still there. Yeah, yeah, but maybe those are just me. I'd also say Daredevil just to mess with you, but you hate that movie too. Yeah, don't like Daredevil. I think Batman Returns maybe gets a bad rap. Ooh, it's, that is. I like a, the beginning when he just throws the guy off the side and blows him up. It's a weird movie. It is a very weird movie, and I don't know. It, I don't know if it's aged particularly well, but there's still a lot of good stuff in there. I like the redesign of the, the costume. Mm. There's some. I, I like the car looks a little bit better in the first one, but I like some of the um, the upgrades that this one gets. Yeah, I think that that's a good... The villains, I mean, they get way too much screen time, but they're interesting. Christopher Walken's fun in that. 
Michelle Pfeiffer, not bad, not bad. Bruce Wayne, why are you dressed up as Batman? Also, why? Where did Michelle Pfeiffer's character in that? Why, where did Selena Kyle get all that leather? She had it. <laughs> Hand wave. She she had it. How did she vacuum seal herself into that suit? That's the real question. That's a great question. Where does where's the zipper on that? Also, how did she survive the fall off the building? That's the bigger question. I don't think she did. Cats licked her and she came back to life. My cat licks me. Does that mean I'm gonna come back to life? I don't know. Try sticking a fork in a socket. Let's see what happens. If I'm not on the show next week, you'll know it didn't work. <laughs> Is that it? I don't know. I was trying to think if there's anything else. I'm like, is this underrated? No, I'm sticking with Mystery Men. That's my underrated Oh, one. actually, you know what? I almost would throw in there the um, Edward Norton's Hulk. Yeah. I don't know. I, there are parts of that movie. I overall don't like it, though, just because the whole point of the movie is like, let's see if we can cure him. Can we? Nope. Okay. It's still fun. It's like they find, well, they literally find a solution and they go, did it work? I don't know. I'm just going to jump out of this helicopter. <laughs> I guess it didn't work. All right. Then there we go. Oh, you know what actually does get a bad rap in the MCU that from day one, if we want to go with something a little more popular, Iron Man yeah. 3. A lot of people hated that movie. I love that movie. It's a good fucking movie. It's de- mm. it's not like the first Iron Man. It's quirky, and I am fine with the Ben Kingsley twist. I, I actually like it quite a bit. And the kid. The kid was kind of cool. Yeah, what is he? I can't remember. Oh, he's like, don't be a pussy. Oh, yeah, there we go. Yes. <laughs> what did he insult that child with? Yeah, I don't know. Iron Man 3 got a bad rap, but some of that movie is really cool, especially them that aerial rescue scene which is all real mm. they digitally are like remove some parachutes and whatnot but that shit's all real like all those people are falling i, I forget they had to shoot it like 13 times to like get all the coverage for it, but that's yeah. great that is a crazy scene like a tremendous scene where air force ha- one blows up yeah they didn't have to do that for real and they did and it looks good yeah that movie gets a would bad you ever rap. jump out of an airplane yeah i don't know if i could yeah i i, I don't think i would do it more than once yeah i mean I mean, I also wouldn't, you know, be strapped to some, like, big burly dude. <laughs> yeah. Someone who knows what they're doing. Yeah. Like, I'm just falling. You're doing the work here, my man. Yeah. You protect me. Yeah. Yeah, I would. I think once. I think um, I think it would be terrifying to actually make the physical jump. But, but I, I think like... once you're out the plane, you're just like, holy shit, this is probably amazing. Yeah. It's a tough first step, though. <laughs> it is. Well, if you got the guy behind you and he's big and burly and he's pushing... <laughs> All right, that's the show. All right, well, if you enjoyed the show, please go to patreon.com slash editorsknowcomics. A dollar a month gets you the show the day we record it. Plus, you get access to things behind the paywall. Right now, the big things, Pod to the Dark Tower, and more importantly, the Buffy Back Issue Bin is back with new updated uh, content based on the recent Buffy releases, yeah. uh, the audio drama play thing. Yeah, uh, the third episode, third and final of this run, although it sure shit looks like there's going to be more, mm. the third one will be up on Patreon this week. I'm not going to say a specific date, but definitely right. this week. Well, there you go. And you can get that dollar a month on patreon.com slash editorsnotecomics. Please yeah. interact with the show. Are you going to say something? Uh, and it will go up. Once it goes up on Patreon, it'll go live on uh, that podcast feed a week later. But hey, whole week early access on that hey, one. Hey, why not? For a dollar. It's the gift that keeps on giving. Uh, anyway, interact with the show, rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform, and email us, editorsnotecomics at gmail.com. You can find Zach on the social medias. Just look up Editors Note Comics. Yeah, you're there too. At Junior Rich. Just melting down every Sunday. <sighs> Apparently um, I had 14 <laughs> tweets about the game. Why did you count? Uh, well, Why did you tweet that many times? I tweeted that many times because I was frustrated and needed a vent, and Phoenix, my cat, was tired of listening to me, so he crawled in his little cat cave and never came out while I was screaming and yelling and being a general miserable curmudgeon. And then uh, somebody made it a point to respond to each and every one of my tweets and then told me, that was 14 tweets. What's wrong with you? And I said, well, what's wrong with you for doing that to me? Uh, next week, I had a plan originally, and 
the comic is in the house, but we might push that back until January because we are in the festive season. Ooh, yes, we are. So next, I haven't decided what next week is yet, but something, something festive. Next week is the first week of December. Tell yes, you that. that. Yeah, that's why we're we're gonna do something festive instead of the Creed comic. Are we getting out the Festivus poll? No. Will we have the airing of grievances? <laughs> I do that anyway. I don't need a poll for that. Oh, there you go. If anything, I need to air fewer grievances. <laughs> this is a fair point. A very fair point. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, we'll be back, back for something festive next week. Maybe Creed in the beginning of January. All right. That makes sense. I like it. All right. Bye-bye. Bye.